Welcome to the Colonial Hills Podcast, a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church. We uh, do have enough of those booklets for everyone to have one. Um, everyone to have one. So we are going to be doing this for five weeks is the plan. Uh, the book of James is five chapters long. We'll be going for five weeks, so we'll get the first two chapters in. Because um, we're going we're gonna to be going slow. We're going to be taking our time. We're going to be working through it. And um, I, I trust that this is something that will be uh, helpful uh, for you. So why, why are we doing it the way that we're doing it? Um, there's an old proverb that says, if you give a man a fish, he eats for a day. If you teach a man to fish, he eats for a lifetime. And so our goal in doing this is to kind of walk you through what it looks like uh, to study God's Word on your own. Now, I know that many of you have been doing that for many years, and so hopefully along the way you can find some things that will be helpful for you. Um, I know that some of you, maybe you've, you've never really studied your Bible before. I can remember being at college and having a classmate. Um, you know, we were doing kind of these spiritual surveys and going over them with each other. And I encouraged him, man, maybe you could spend some more time studying your Bible. And he just got honest with me. He said, you know, Ben, we never really did that growing up, and I, I don't know how. I think there's a lot of believers that are in that boat where they aren't exactly sure um, what that looks like. So if this is new for you, uh, don't worry about it. Um, this is, some people, we're going to be, we're going to be talking about the book together. Some people have been studying uh, the Bible for 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 years, and they may have some really insightful help. Um, you maybe got saved more recently, or maybe you haven't had the opportunity to go through a class on how to study the Bible, and that may seem a little bit intimidating. Um, the great thing about this book is that we've got our whole lives to dig into it and to study it. Um, there's no rush. Hopefully there's an eagerness, but we have lots of time to work through it together, and so if, if you, you know, have somebody next to you that keeps wanting to answer every question, and you're like, I, I don't know these answers, don't, don't worry about it. Uh, just learn and grow, and you'd be surprised if you consistently study God's Word on your own for 5 or 10 or 15 years, how much you can learn. Um, as we get started, let me start with three rules, okay? One of these rules is for you, two of them are for me. Uh, rule number one, you can write down as little or as much as you want from the screen, Okay? Some of you are the perfectionist bean counter types like me, and you feel like if it's up there, you have to copy it down. Uh, you don't have to write everything I write. You can write things I don't write. And so um, some of you, that causes even more anxiety, but that's okay. You'll figure it out um, as we go. Uh, two rules for me. Uh, number one, I can use commentaries, but I'm not allowed to quote them. So when I'm studying, I can use commentaries. Uh, commentaries are good. I'm not knocking commentaries. Um, and I quote them regularly when I preach. But I want this to be a time where we're just looking at God's words together and thinking about it together. The second rule that I'm going to give myself is I'm only allowed to say the word Greek twice, okay? Um, why am I doing that? Is Greek wrong? No, it can be real helpful. But here's the thing. You don't have to know Greek, okay? It can be a help. It can be a tool. It's kind of fun. And there's resources that allow even people who don't speak Greek to, to dig into it a little bit. But you don't have to know Greek to know God's word. And so if I'm constantly saying, now this Greek word, now this Greek word, then that's going to communicate to you, if you don't know Greek, you don't really know God's word. And that's just not true. So um, those are the rules. And um, let's remember with all of this, uh, we're going to be doing uh, journaling. And so if you've got colored pencils or highlighters, you can join. If you've just got um, a black pen, uh, you can do that. Uh, remember, all of this is just a tool to try and help you and it's a means to an end. And that end is we want to know God's Word. And I have found journaling to be one way to really help me 
interact with the Bible and think through the Bible carefully. And so that's what this is. So let's open with a word of prayer, and then we'll go ahead and dig into an introduction to the letter of James. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity. Uh, We thank you for uh, the chance that we have to study your word together. I pray that this would be helpful for people. Um, I pray that your spirit would be our teacher, and I pray that we would walk away having a better understanding of who you are and what you expect. For We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Um, Let's go ahead. Oh, wait. Is that? Can we put the, the screen up in the back, the Chromecast? Move the mouse. Okay. Um, it's, it's showing for me that it's, maybe it's not casting. It probably, okay. That's the problem. There we go. All right. Technology is great when it works. I was uh, teaching a class today, and I was using one of these boards, and I was drawing out this big fancy diagram for the class, and it was really good, and one of the students is like, can we have access to this? And I said, don't worry, I'm going to save it. And the power went out. Um, <laughs> makes you really thankful for batteries. I'd be more thankful if these had batteries. So um, technology is great when it works. Thank you for your patience. Uh, I, I joked on Sunday night. I said, yeah, a pastor asked me to do this. I'd like to think it's because he really ex- uh, respects my exegesis and my knowledge of James. I think some of it has to do with uh, the technology aspect of it. But uh, uh, we'll see. So as we're, as we're studying a book of the Bible, we're going to be going through the book of James together. Uh, let me begin by asking the question, uh, you're sitting down with your Bible, about to start studying a new book, what are some things um, that are helpful, uh, beginning questions to ask? Where do, you, where do you even start? Yes, Pastor Tom. Who wrote it? Okay. Uh, we'll, you know what? Who wrote it? Okay, we'll call that the author. Good. What are some other questions you want to ask? Who's it written to? Okay, uh, that's the audience. Okay, so we want author, we want audience. What are some other things that might be helpful? Topic. Okay, what's it about? We could say topic, we could say theme. Good. What are some other questions that's worth asking as you study a, a book of the Bible? Yes. The what? Where? Okay. Um, What's the city? Um, Where are the people living? The location? Sometimes that can be helpful. Um, Laodicea, you know, it's in between a hot spring and a cool spring. That's helpful as you study the letter. Yes. When was it written? Okay, that's a really good question. Uh, When was it written? Good. Any other questions? Yeah, and this is one of the ones where it's helpful. The more you study your Bible, the better you're going to have a grasp on this. But um, what, what is the timeline? So this kind of goes back to the when. And so it's really helpful at some point if you just do a study through the book of Acts for the Old Testament. Honestly, if you study through uh, Kings and Chronicles in the, new, in the Old Testament, this is new, this is old, um, that can give you a, a real helpful understanding of of the background. So what's going on with the church? When is this written? Um, Yeah, good. Other thoughts? I see a hand in the back. Genre. Okay, ooh, that's a big fun word. Genre. Um, Genre just means what kind of writing is this? What are some of the different kinds of writing that we see in the Bible? 
poetry, okay? So is this poetry? Is James poetry? No, it is not. Um, what are some other genres? Narrative. Is James narrative? No, it's not. It's, narrative is just a story. So narrative is a fun, fancy way to say a story. Um, what's another genre? Prophecy? Okay. Uh, Revelation's kind of funny because it's both a letter. Oh, that's, I gave it away. There we go. There's also letters. It's both a letter and it's prophecy. So James would be a letter. More specifically, we would say that it's what kind of letter? It's a general, it's one of the general letters. So we have general and um, uh, the Pauline. What else do we have for James? It's, it's a letter, but it's a specific kind of writing. Teaching, preaching, Proverbs. I'm going to use wisdom, but yes, this is Jewish wisdom literature. So there's a lot of, um, we're going to come across a lot of Proverbs, um, a certain way of looking at life where uh, we see life from God's perspective. Okay, good. So these are some good initial questions to be asking. Um, and so why don't we go ahead, and I'm going to actually erase all of this. We're going to skip ahead to uh, our first page. So here we go. Uh, let's talk about the author. Who is the author of James? James. Very good. Class. Um, wait, which James? Okay, I hear a lot of people saying the brother of Christ. Half-brother of Christ. How do we know that? Because my study Bible that I read said that. Uh, that's not a bad answer, by the way, okay? If you have a good study Bible, a lot of times people have thought through these questions and they're giving you good answers. I do think it's a brother of Christ, but why would we say that? Yeah, so there's actually two disciples named James. Uh, there's James, the brother of John, and he is the first martyr. So probably not him. Um, there's another James. Um, yeah, he died. Not him. Um, there's another James, which is James, the son of Alphaeus. And we just, we don't, we don't know much about him. Now, when somebody says James, they're kind of like the James, right? Um, when I first came on staff at Colonial, there were two Pastor Bens. And we kind of joked about it, but if you wanted to talk about me, you kind of had to say Pastor Ben Hicks. Because there was Pastor Ben, and then there was, you know, Pastor Ben Hicks. So if James is the, the James, the question becomes, well, who is the James? Well, it can't be really the brother of John. There isn't an opportunity for him to write it. It can't be the son of Alphaeus. We don't really know much about him. There's another James called uh, James the Last, but we don't really hear a, a whole lot about him. Um, and uh, what do we know uh, about James, the brother of Christ? He's a leader in Jerusalem, okay? So if you go to Acts 15, you're going to read about the Jerusalem council. Um, and you would think, I would think, that the person who's going to head that up would be Peter. That's kind of what I would have expected. Because, I mean, Peter's the guy who preached and everyone got saved and he's, he's, he's bringing the Gentiles in. I mean, Peter was hugely foundationally important. And yet, when we read Acts 15, it's pretty clear James is the leader. How did that happen? 
We don't really know, but it becomes pretty clear that James is really the leader at the church in Jerusalem. Well, that makes him a pretty good candidate to be the James. Um, anything else we know about James? Yes. Yeah, he, um, he was called Camelnes. Now, we don't have that from the New Testament, but um, other sources have told us that he was uh, well known for his prayer. So he was a man of prayer. And as we read the letter of James, he's going to talk about prayer uh, on several occasions. Um, anything else we know about James? Lord appeared to him. Okay, so he was an eyewitness of the resurrection. Um, he is somebody who uh, initially did not believe. We know that. Um, his, his brothers were out at one point. Jesus has told your brothers, you know, they're here. They're trying to get you to calm down. Um, and actually, John says that, you know, at that point, they said, hey, why don't you go down to the feast and uh, present yourself there? Um, and it says, because at this time, they did not believe in him. So he was an eyewitness um, and really a convert of Christ. Um, he, was a, he was an apostle to the Gentiles. So Paul makes this statement in Galatians um, Two, and I have the verse down here. Galatians 2.9, he says, Paul says, we, you know, I sat down and I talked with, with uh, Peter and uh, with James, and I, there was a third one there, I can't remember off the top of my head. And he said, it became clear that I was the apostle, I'm sorry, not the Gentiles, that's wrong. He is the apostle to the Jews. Some people were looking at me with very confused looks. Uh, apostle to the Jews. Um, and Paul said, I was the apostle of the Gentiles, he was the apostle to the Jews. Now that becomes important, okay, so we're kind of looking at some of these big headings. Oops. Okay, so we've got the author, but let's look next at the audience. All right, we're going to figure this out. All right, author, audience. Okay, um, who is this letter written to? The Jews, the 12 tribes, which are scattered abroad. So we could say scattered Jews. Okay, um, and these aren't just Jews. I would say that these are Christian Jews. Okay, so James is writing... And this makes sense, right? Because James is the apostle to the Jewish church. And so he sits down and writes to the Jews and the Christians. Um, so does this mean this isn't for us? I mean, it says right here, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. I'm not the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. Does, does this book apply to me? It's God's word, okay? So it's God's word, so God's word in some way, is, is, is God's truth and is applicable to all people at all times. Yeah, okay, that's a great point. Um, if you look here, um, you're going to see this phrase, my brethren. And if you read through the book of James, we can come over here and kind of flip through, you're going to see the phrase, my brethren, show up all the time. Here, it's here in verse 19, my beloved brethren. 
Um, uh, let's see here. If we keep going, it's here in um, chapter 2 and verse 1. My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, we can keep going. And we have it in verse 14. What is it profit? My brethren, though a man say he have faith and have not works. And uh, I'm doing this quickly. I may be missing some of them. Ver chapter 3, verse 1. Um, my brethren, be not many masters. Okay, so this is written to brethren, to Christians. Um, what are some ways, what are some things that we might have in common with Jewish Christians at this time? We all have temptations? Okay, yeah. Um, he's going to talk about that right here at the beginning quite a bit, the temptations. Faith in Christ, okay, so we're beginning to see there's a lot of overlap. Yeah, Steve. Okay. Yeah, so there was a lot of... Christianity's coming out of Jerusalem. Christianity was originally a Jewish movement. And we forget this. The original question for, for Christians, for, Jew, for, for, the, for Christianity was, can Gentiles even be Christians as Gentiles? I mean, that's, that's Acts 15, right? They, they have to actually argue this out and kind of think through, what are we going to do about this? What about this? Um, I think this is kind of interesting if you think about it. This is a settled religious um, community. What do I mean by that? Well, I mean a lot of the churches in the New Testament are first-generation Christians. Okay? So you've got Gentiles. They're coming to Christ. Um, you've got Corinth. You've got all kinds of problems in Corinth. Um, and Paul has to say things to this church like, listen, you, you can't use harlots. Okay? He actually has to argue this with them. They're arguing with him. about, and He says, no, you, you can't do this. Okay? That tends to be first-generation Christian problems. Okay? There's a there's a different set of problems when you have a settled religious community, okay? The Jewish um, community, was, it was settled. It was, it was second and third and fourth and fifth generation. And so the book of James is in many ways dealing with some of the problems that come when you have second and third and fourth and fifth generation Christianity, when you have this ongoing um, understanding of, of Christianity that's gone down through the ages. What are, what are some of those problems? So I want to go and next talk about what is the oh whoops what just happened oh that's what happened I was afraid I lost all of that all right um, what is what are I should say some of the problems addressed by James let's look at some of these and then see um, in what ways uh, this could be uh, understood as shall we say second generation. So what are, some of the, what are some of the problems that James addresses? If you've read the letter of James, and if you're familiar with it, what are some of the big issues that James is dealing with? So, Double-minded man, okay? Double-minded. We see this phrase twice, okay? Um, and I'm actually going to use one of my Greek words here. I get two. Okay, so we've got a double-minded man. Now, what's really interesting about this is that the Greek here is di-pesukos. 
Dai means two, and pasukas means soul. What does it mean to be double-minded? It means you have two souls. It means there's part of you that loves God. There's part of you that loves the world. That's what he's going to say in chapter 4. There's part of you that believes God and goes to him and prays for something. And then there's part of you that's like, yeah, but God's not really going to do that. Okay? This, this double-mindedness. Um, good. Let's, let's keep going. Um, say what? Patience. Okay. Growing pains. Growing pains, everybody. Okay. Patience. What's another good word for patience here? Endurance. Okay? Um, now, patience, the way we use it, often means long-suffering, okay? So I have three children at home. I'm developing a, lo- a very long-suffering spirit, hopefully, okay? And that's normally what we think of when we think of the word patience, okay? We think of, this is annoying, but I'm not going to let it get to me. What we don't think of is somebody running a marathon, and they're in the, the, the what are marathons? They're 26 miles, right? They're in the 25th mile and they're still going. We don't look at them and say, wow, what a lot of patience. And we're looking like, what are you talking about? We think of endurance. Now this um, Greek word, there we go, that's two, I'm done. Um, here is the word uh, that we have here is, um, let's see here, patience is, is a noun. The verb is actually endurance uh, or to endure. The trine of your faith worketh patience. So later on, in verse number 12, he's going to say, blessed is the man that endureth temptation. It's the same idea. The Greek here is hupamone. It means that you're holding up under something. You're enduring. You're lasting through, okay? And so James starts off the book. This is kind of interesting. If you notice this, he begins by talking about patience or endurance. And then he ends the book. Look away if you get seizures easily. Okay? He ends the book, verse, chapter 5 and verse 7, be patient. This is a slightly different word, but it's the same idea. And then here we once again have the idea, be patient. And this is hupamone again. So he begins and ends with patience, endurance. Okay? Uh, good. So we have patience or endurance. This is one of the themes of the letter. Um, what is, uh, what's another problem that James is looking at and trying to address? Partiality. I heard it. A lot of things were said, but I I caught partiality. Okay? Partiality. What's another word for partiality? If you go out in the marketplace and you say partiality, people are going to look at you and be like, what? What's another word for partiality? Favoritism. Okay? What are some other problems? The tongue, speech. In particular, James is going to make this this observation. He says, look, and this is convicting. Uh, He says, look, you are blessing God. You're coming in and you're singing worship songs, praising the Lord. Then you know what you're doing? You're turning around and you're cursing man. He said, my brethren, these things, they ought not to be so. This should not be the case, okay? What are some other problems in the book? Faith, I hear faith. Faith and works. Particularly, James says, look, you say that you have faith, but you're not living it out. Okay? Um, What are some others? 
Hypocrisy, lust, okay? Yeah, looking into the mirror and they're walking away. That's kind of the idea of, of almost being double-minded, isn't it? Um, and then uh, the other one was lust or desire. Okay. Divisions, factions. Um, yeah, they're, they're, there's fighting. Okay. Now, if we think about the typical first-generation church that's just sadly is not doing well, we're going to be thinking about things like there's immorality that's going unchecked. We're going to be thinking about things like there's people who are just blatantly rebelling against God. If we think about the third, fourth, fifth-generation church that's not doing well, you know what kinds of things are going to be characterizing a church like that? Things like hypocrisy. Things like backbiting or, or, or tearing other people down. Uh, things like infighting. Things like saying the right thing, but then not living it out. Really, we could sum it up well. I think actually this first word here um, is I think if you were to take all of these problems, the core is this double-mindedness. Where I love God, but I also I kind of love the world. And I believe God mostly, most of the time, some of the time. There's also times where I, I don't believe God. And so as we look through this, what is James addressing? He's trying to address the problem of double-mindedness, of, of having endurance through trials, of showing partiality and favoritism, of tearing people down with the tongues, of, of, of um, saying that you have faith but not following it up with works, of, of this hypocrisy of looking in the mirror and then walking away, of this lust and this fighting. And so um, this is really, if we were to sum up the book of James, uh, some of the key themes. I think if I had to sum up uh, James in um, several key themes, I think I would um, put it this way. We got um, a good number of them. But I think faith, wisdom, um, James is going to talk a lot about the future, or we could say eschatology, which just means the end when Christ comes back. Faith, wisdom, future. He's going to talk about the tests that we face, whether those be trials or temptations, and he's going to talk about perfection or maturity. We'll talk more about that next week, okay? So what is James? James is a letter that's written by the brother of Christ, that's written to a scattered Jewish community that's, that's, that's accepted Christ, that's good, but that is having some of these problems. It's double-minded. It's, it's, it's quitting. It's falling short. Um, there's favoritism. There's uh, wrong speech. All of these problems that are going on. And so what we're going to do in the next few weeks is we're going to go through chapter 1, and we're going to look at chapter 1, and then we're going to look at how that really sets up the rest of the book. And uh, so your homework assignment for this week, uh, should you choose to do it, is to look at chapter 1 and to ask this question, how does chapter 1 set up the rest of the book? Because I think um, when we look at the way James is set up, uh, oftentimes people look at James and they're like, well, it's just kind of like Proverbs. It's just random ideas scattered across. Here's an idea, there's an idea, and they're all just kind of like strung together. Um, I don't think that's necessarily the case. I don't think it's structured like Romans, where there's one clear argument that goes all the way through. But I think that chapter 1 is kind of an introduction to the book. And I think as you look at what's going on in chapter 1, it's going to help set up the rest of the book of James. So if you want to do a homework assignment, because you're one of those weird people, um, you, I would encourage you to do this. Look at James chapter 1 and ask yourself, 
how does what I find in chapter 1 relate to what I see throughout the rest of the book? I think if you do that, you'll see some pretty interesting things, and we'll come back and talk about that next week. But we're out of time for tonight, so let's go ahead. We'll close with a word of prayer, and then we'll be dismissed. This podcast has been a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church, a church home for all people. If what you've heard has been an encouragement to you, please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you'd like to connect with Colonial or find more resources, you can find us online at colonialindy.org. You can also check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for joining us today, and we hope to see you next time on the Colonial Hills Podcast.